Hey, once again, we welcome you to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. And we're happy to welcome Connor Tomlinson back to the show. Connor, how are you today? Brilliant, Brian. Calling in from not-so-sunny Scotland for once. Uh, Usually your viewers are used to listening to me from London, but we've been all over Edinburgh and Glasgow for the last few days because of COP26. Well, you know, if it's an important enough uh, story to to send the very best, you know, I guess that's where I would expect to find you. uh, I really wasn't uh, that aware of of COP26 until this last week, and some of the stories started to come through. For those who are just hearing about this for the first time, what exactly was the purpose of this this gathering of, of all these world leaders in Scotland? So COP26 is the United Nations Climate Conference. It grabs all the world leaders, all the international unelected bureaucrats and bodies, all of their representatives who stick around for the extra time to sit around in the big party rooms and discuss and, and debate uh, long after world leaders have gone home or fallen asleep at the conference like Boris and, and Biden did. And they try to agree on climate policies that have no international ratification uh, beyond the international bodies agreeing on them and then try and take them back home to things like the US Senate or the UK House of Parliament and get them passed through and have sort of a universal policy making despite the different parties having different ideas. This is this kind of thing you saw with the 2015 Paris Accords or the Kyoto Protocols. They try and agree on these international agreements each year. This year, one of the main things has been ratifying Article 6 of the Paris Accords, which creates an international carbon market and that allows a sort of clean, free trade, uh, carbon taxes, etc cross borders and allow sustainable investment in infrastructure projects. Uh, the main barriers to that have been at this particular conference because a lot of the economies that they're trying to include in that deal aren't market, things like Brazil, and also there aren't representatives from China and Russia. There, there are representatives, but there isn't like President Xi and President Putin, for example. Uh, so that's why a lot of people are saying this might be a big nothing burger and might actually be just a big party at the taxpayers' expense. So that's that's essentially what COP is. It's, it's the UN patting themselves on the back and inviting their best mates to the party and saying, um, hey, we're going to set the targets and you guys can figure out the rest from here. Money and, and accountability be damned. Well, I, I knew that it was something that they took very seriously uh, when I saw a video of President Biden's 85 car motorcade and realized, wow, yes. they're really serious about reducing carbon emissions. Look at all the people who yeah. came to support him. Yeah, it was it was basically a, a funeral procession for fiscal responsibility. Well they were so said. clearly they they were so clearly alarmed by the climate emergency as well that Biden fell asleep on multiple occasions. Uh, so did Boris, and then they went home after a few days. And the mask theater was in shocking abundance because they were standing around, took it on, put it on for the photos, and then sitting next to you know ninety two year old David Attenborough, um, who have got my problems with him as well some things he said but then they don't have it on they're just you know spraying phlegm and inflection all over his face while they're yammering away about planting trees or something it's not exactly the best look for people like me who are really concerned with conservation issues and conserve fiscal responsibility as well um, and as well biden did that because he turned up at the wrong airport which is just a hilarious embarrassment for, for logistics. Well, I, I'm looking at an article you penned for a spectator.org. Will more eco-authoritarianism come from COP26? And you know what? A couple of years ago, I might have thought that you were sounding the alarm prematurely. After the last couple of years and the amount of authoritarianism that's been foisted on us in the name of uh, the pandemic, I'm thinking that's a pretty realistic threat. 
Unfortunately so. We've seen sort of degeneration movement, uh, the Luddites among the left who believe that lockdowns are actually a good thing, saying nature is healing, that meme. Uh, I debated one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion uh, at Durham University, and she... I, I got her on record, I put this in Federalist piece, that she promoted using and reimposing lockdowns again to reduce emissions and degrowth. But why Extinction Rebellion members, and this is a, an anarcho-communist green quote, group that we have in the UK, kind of like the people that are sitting in the roads, that's a splinter group of theirs in, in Slate Britain. Um, she actually left the organisation because they had a meeting with one of these sitting MPs in the Green Party, and they said, OK, how do we reduce emissions? And they just came to the conclusion, well, three days a week, like in the 70s, we're going to have to turn in the electricity off. And they said, OK, well, what about hospitals and life support? And they went, oh, well. So that's the kind of callous indifference they have to individual human suffering. But because they believe in the grand narrative of saving the planet, it's uh, it's completely justifiable in this, in this sort of utilitarian, we can sacrifice lives for our ultimate goal. Unfortunately, that's trickled through to what the world leaders are happy to do. There's all of this data collection style stuff with things like smart meters and uh, AR, AR transport. These are great technologies. The concern is always going to be, is this a precondition for a Chinese-style social credit system? And is this a precondition for justifying more state spending like we saw under the pandemic, for example? It's almost like in Britain, we had the furlough scheme you had the stimulus program, very similar sort of stuff to basically pay people to sit on their backsides at home and inject a lot of quantitative easing, which is massive amounts of inflation into the economy. We're bearing the brunt of that now. That is that a pilot scheme for universal basic income, which has been floated because a lot of industries like fossil fuels and manufacturing are going to be put out work by AI and renewables, theoretically, when they finally catch up and the technology is there. Um, so we're seeing a lot of the pandemic policies carry over. Uh, things like, I know MasterCard and the World Economic Forum, which have some seriously disturbing ideas at the moment. Uh, we had a we had a guest from the Heritage Foundation on our panel, and he spoke about how a lot of the world leaders are intent on globally resetting capitalism because they're blaming capitalism for both climate change and also uh, not working enough producing inequity under the pandemic. Well, you guys locked economies down, so no wonder it's not working. You can't shoot capitalism in the back of the head and say, why did capitalism do this? Um, but MasterCard <laughs> and the World Economic Forum are actually partnering to say, how about we calculate your carbon footprint using uh, a digital infrastructure and then limit consumer purchasing based on your carbon footprint? And then once you reach your carbon allowance, your consumer purchasing cuts off. That's kind of scary or authoritarian policies which could come out of this stuff and and we shouldn't allow data collection we shouldn't allow advances in technology to become the prerequisite for authoritarian policies just because we need to quote save the planet well like you point out in your article in the spectator i mean it's that's like an idea that came straight from the the writers of black mirror mm. yes well the, the, and the, again the scary thing is we have all these promising technologies like electric cars, for example, um, that could be a kickstarter for energy independence. I mean, currently we get another piece for the spectator talks about the Russian oil and gas because your President Biden had the genius idea of turning off the Keystone XL pipeline and stopping the US being a net oil exporter and leading the world in emissions reductions 2017-2019 when they weren't in a big international climate agreement like the Paris Accords, by the way, because President Trump withdrew you. He turned the tap off and now every nation's, again, concentrating their oil and gas supply straight from Russia. Um, if we we transition to electric cars, it wouldn't be as much of a problem. Now, the other issue, again, is then, okay, we need to repatriate battery manufacturing from China because they make 80% of our batteries. Fine. We need to get better lithium deposits because they're currently in Afghanistan. Okay, fine. We saw that all those supply side issues. We get energy independence. We get uh, repatriated manufacturing, all this stuff. So we aren't reliant on hostile states. 
The issue is, if we do this poorly, and like we're going to see in the UK, with no charging ports, with uh, them lined on 12 hours on, on the streets because there's loads of rental properties in the cities, and we're going to see the same thing in like New York, Chicago, all those sort of very densely populated areas, um, the government's going to use that as an excuse to ration energy. And we see Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary over in England, has proposed the ability for the government to remotely turn off your home charging port in, at, during peak charging hours. So that means the government can just switch off your power remotely and you can't have private transport. Um, and if that's the standard for that, then if you have energy shortages at home, etc., and they can see you're using too much energy based on a smart meter, they could just turn the energy off your house. That's a terrifying prescient and, and that's something very Black Mirror-esque. Well, you've, you've taken a, a couple of good steps. I was going to ask you, d- describe for me how this might impact people's lives. If those, you know, who are pushing uh, COP26 and those who are really, you know, the, uh, the driving force behind this conference were to get their wishes, obviously controlling people's consumption of energy from, uh, you know, remotely or using uh, artificial intelligence to do that may be an option. What are some of the other ways people would likely see their lives affected if these kinds of very stringent policies uh, become the norm? The cost is astronomical, both in the fact that the market isn't allowed to operate and drive the costs down, as we've, as we've seen with a lot of the innovations that are produced uh, throughout human history. You know, the profit motive has been the, the driving force behind human ingenuity and has uh, expanded livelihoods and saved lives. Uh, so it's not just going to be more costly for the consumer, but it's going to be more costly for the taxpayer, which are the same thing, of course, but directly and indirectly. So you can't just get out of it by trying to make more sustainable purchasing choices, and you can't get out of it by saving pennies. Taxes are going up around the world, especially with the global corporate tax rate we've now seen, which is going to constrict corporate responsibility. Now, of course, we under the lockdown that created monopolies for the home deliveries, you should do a targeted tax system if you want to get a form of rebate, and then also give that money back to the consumer in terms of an income tax cut. And that can serve as a model for low-tax societies, but they don't want to do that. Instead, they just want to up the taxes and make it so that they have more money, and that you don't because they believe that they know best and how to spend your money. But we've seen over here with the so-called conservatives in name only, they admitted that it, replacing everyone's boilers, for example, they've got this obsession with heat pumps, even though they're big fans outside that freeze up in the winter and you've got to go and de-ice them. And they don't work properly if you don't have cavity wall insulation, which is any house that built after the 1930s. And obviously, in Britain, we have pubs older than your entire country, so there's a lot of buildings. Um, all of the boilers are going to cost at least £10,000 to replace. And that's, for the average household, that's that's horrendous. And that's going to generate less heat and more costs. And then when asked about this, and because the, the, all of our environmental targets were never costed, they cost about trillion pounds compared to you guys. Obviously, you do trillions of infrastructure bills, but we've got much smaller population our chancellor said oh but i'm a fiscal conservative because i know it's not my money i'm spending i was like well thanks mate i know it's not my money i'm spending as well if a mugger takes my wallet i would have spent it much more wisely than you do i don't care if you apologize you're still stealing from me and and i think you mentioned on top of this china isn't exactly leading out except in how to be you know authoritarian and how to implement authoritarian systems but as far as um you know controlling their their emissions and so forth aren't they the worst offender in the world there are about 30% of total global emissions. And this is the crazy thing about the UK. So we're going to cut, we're 1%. If we want to rush to 2050 and lose a Cold War by tanking our economy, we're going to eliminate 1% of world emissions. China, though, by 2030, is opening 252 new coal power plants. and They're increasing capacity. That will mean global emissions, not just Chinese emissions, will increase by 16%. So in half the time we eliminate 1%, they're going to outdo us 16-fold. Okay. So it's it's just environmental suicide. Got to jump in here. Connor Tomlinson, Thank you so much. Great to visit with you once again. Perfect. Thank you very much, Brian.